It is Thursday, September 19th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, Jared Smola. And Jared, according to Adam Schefter, 18 teams will start quarterbacks 26 or younger this weekend. That will be the most since week three of 1987, 32 years ago, 10 years before you were born. <laughs> That's right. And, and a lot of teams are starting quarterbacks that they weren't starting in week one of the season. So, man... It, Almost feels like it's a different league than it was when you know we, we started the year. So so many changes around the league already. Yeah, I mean some of these guys are like the young, hopeful franchise quarterbacks. Others <laughs> thrust into duty by injuries to older starters. We're gonna hit on all of them today. You know, beyond the Thursday game as we usually do on the Thursday preview pod. Anything else on those guys before we jump in? On the quarterbacks or on the Thursday game? Yeah, either. <laughs> Uh, the Thursday game, I don't even want to watch it. I'm sure I will, but it's going to be ugly. Yeah, I say that every week because it seems like we get garbage games there <laughs> yeah. every week. But it'll make it easier. I'm always working while that game is on. It's going to make right. it easier to do work <laughs> while Gardner Minshew squares off with Derrick Henry. <laughs> exactly. Cincinnati at Buffalo is the post, the first post-Thursday game of the week. And the Bills are six-point home favorites I think you know your season's off to a rough start when you are six-point underdogs against the Bills anywhere. We were sort of encouraged by the Bengals in week one. I mean, they go into Seattle, put a lot of yards on the board. You know, they only scored 20 points, but took a step back in week two against 49ers. 49ers defense, I think, is better than we expected it to be, which is sort of, you know, we'll talk about them later. But the toughest spot for the Bengals offense, yeah, in Buffalo. Bills, Bills top 10 defense. Yeah, I mean, we might be like a month into the season before we really know how the Niners defense is. But sure, yeah, yeah. Um, for, for this one, Buffalo has been pretty good on defense, especially against the pass. I think that puts a damper on Andy Dalton and his wideouts for this one. Tyler Boyd, though, gets the best individual matchup mm-hmm. of Bengals pass catchers. Gets Saran Neal in the slot. If you haven't heard of him, it's because Saran Neal is a second-year, fifth-round pick. Played a total of 15 snaps last year. Now he's their top slot corner. Tyler Boyd spends two-thirds of his snaps in there, according to Pro Football Focus. I'm easily starting Tyler Boyd this week. Yeah, double-digit targets in both games to start the season. I feel like Boyd's start has sort of been overshadowed by John Ross but I do think Boyd's the better play in this game I think Ross still in play as a wide receiver three just he's getting the usage you know he's been on the field for 83% of the snaps actually a bit more than Tyler Boyd Um, 21% target share that's a nice number he's 14th among wide receivers in air yards so he's getting those deep shots and we've seen it with Ross he can make his day on just one play and you combine the Bengals being six point underdogs here with the way they've looked so far Mm -hmm. and you would bet on them trailing in this game which would help the passing volume John Ross could see a lot of Tredavious White Tredavious White normally spends uh, nearly all of his day on one side of the field does travel some so I could see him following Ross but I also don't think as you said I don't think that even a Tredavious White shadow right takes John Ross completely out of consideration. Yep, agreed. And, and Andy Dalton, I think we agree, he's not someone you want to spot start this no. week. He's been good so far. He's sixth among quarterbacks in fantasy points through two weeks. But Buffalo, um, seventh in football outsiders pass defense ranking, seventh in fantasy points allowed. And they were, they were top two in both of those metrics last year. So it's been a good pass defense for a while now. Yeah, I mean, if Dalton shows up 12th or 13th this week, I'm not going to be like, whoa, how did that happen? <laughs> but uh, there are other guys that 
have at least floors at least as high and ceilings much higher. Joe Mixon only played 55% of the snaps last week. He entered that game questionable with an ankle sprain. He's off the injury list this week, though, and he's usually, at least according to last year's playing time, usually a 70-plus percent playing time guy. We'll see how much he's on the field under the new coaching staff, but we should finally get our first like real Joe Mixon game this week, and I'm going to start him in most cases on that. Yeah, me too. I mean, he, he's been brutal so far. I'm sure you're frustrated if you own him, but I do think he should get going in the spot. The Bill, Bills run D, so far, they're 27th in football outside his run defense rankings, giving up 4.6 yards per carry. And even last year, they were just mediocre against the run. They were 14th in football outside his run defense rankings. So decent spot for Mixon. I, I think he'll he'll get the volume now that it seems like he's pretty much over that ankle injury. And although the Bills are six-point favorites here, I'm not going to throw down money on the Bills no. jumping out to a 17-0 lead and taking Mixon out. And frankly, even if something like that does happen, Joe Mixon's probably going to be central to the passing game. I mean, even though we're frustrated with Mixon so far, we got to remember that he left the first game with an ankle injury and entered the second game questionable with that ankle injury. Yeah, and hopefully they get Cordy Glenn back this week. I, I haven't checked on his status yet, but it, that'll be a nice upgrade to the O-line if they get him back. And his replacement is on the injury report yeah. this week as well. Yeah, uh, yeah so the, the O-line's going to limit Mixon going forward, but I, I like him as an RB2 for touches. On the Buffalo side, Josh Allen, nice outing last week. He's a starter this week against a bad Cincinnati defense. I do think it's worth remembering, though, coming off of two top 15 fantasy performances, that Josh Allen's game against the Jets two weeks ago was bad until late in that game. I still don't think the guy's a good quarterback. Like, if I I use him, I don't want to watch him play. But I think you look at the end of the game, and I think the fantasy production's going to be there. He finishes a top 13 quarterback in seven of his last eight games now, dating back to last season. And it's really that rushing. He's averaging 8.9 carries per game over those last eight. That's a full season pace of 142 carries. The only quarterback who's ever had more than that was Lamar Jackson last year. (laughs) Yeah, rushing touchdowns in each game so far this year for Josh Allen. Obviously, that's not going to happen every week, but he is a threat to do that anytime. He does get regular work uh, inside the red zone. Uh, If Josh Allen does put up a strong game against Cincinnati, though, it might be a good time to look at selling him, at least to see what kind of value you could get on him in a trade. You know, probably going to take a package, but beyond the Cincinnati game, they have New England in Buffalo, then they're at Tennessee, then they're by, obviously, quarterback, his value takes a hit with the bye week. There are good matchups after that week six bye, but then the end of the season has five of the final seven games on the road, and the final four weeks are at Dallas, home for Baltimore, at Pittsburgh, at New England in week 16. Yeah, I don't hate that. I do think matchups matter a bit less for Allen just because of the rushing, and I do think he's here to stay as at least a, a low-end quarterback one. But trading any quarterback, you know, maybe outside of Patrick Mahomes, is, is never a bad idea. Yeah, I'm not saying get rid of Josh Allen because he's about to crash, but I do think that there's a shot that he's going to head southward with what he's given you. And, and like you just said, trading a quarterback is never a terrible idea. John Brown, 27% of the targets so far for Buffalo, 10-8 and eight in the two games. Cole Beasley next on the team at 19.4%. So John Brown is pretty close to a weekly starter at this point, I think. I think he is, and I think he's like a wide receiver too with upside in this spot. Um, the, the Bengals' top three cornerbacks have allowed 16 catches for 286 yards and three touchdowns on 22 targets so far this season. Drake Kirkpatrick and B.W. Webb are both four or five guys 
John Brown's like a three, four or three guy, so I, I think he has a nice chance to make a big play in this game. And B.W. Webb's bounced around to a bunch of teams. Yes. Can't stick anywhere. Is really just not that good. Cole Beasley, meanwhile, I mean, 19.4% is a nice share, but the kind of player he is, he has to be over 20% to be at all attractive in fantasy. Yeah, I mean, he, he's the guy you have around if you're desperate and you need like, you know, 8 to 10 PPR points. The Buffalo backfield did not have Devin Singletary at practice on Wednesday. He's dealing with the hamstring injury that knocked him out of week two. If he's out, I think Frank Gore is a strong start this week. Yeah, he can still get it done. You know, had a decent game last week. Bill's big home favorites here. Bengals 31st in Football Outsiders run D, giving up 5.4 yards per carry, so the matchup's good. I do think we'd probably see TJ Yeldon spell Gore on occasion, probably in passing situations, but I'd still think Gore be a pretty good bet for 15 plus touches assuming Singletary's out yeah I mean at home last week the Bengals gave us three <laughs> usable 49ers running backs in fantasy mm-hmm. and even if Singletary does make it back I think Gore's still in play as a low RB too yeah me too Miami at Dallas is next on the list which means we have one team to look at here <laughs> Cowboys carry the highest implied total for the week at 34 and a half points uh, Dak Prescott has seven touchdown passes through two games. He reached that number in game six last year, in game four the year before, in game six in 2016. He's a strong start. Zeke Elliott's a strong start. Amari Cooper's a strong start. Who do you like beyond that? Jason Witten is a strong start. He has a touchdown in both games to open the season. Uh, you know, Four targets in, in both games, so not huge numbers there. But he does have three targets inside the 10-yard line already. Only three players in the entire league have more than that. So it does look like Witten is, is a pretty big part of the Cowboys' red zone passing offense. And I think you know his role might even get a, a little boost with Michael Gallup out. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Randall Cobb? He's in yeah, the I, think, I think Randall Cobb and even I think Devin Smith is in play, probably in deeper leagues. So mm-hmm. we're going to have Xavier Howard probably shadow Amari Cooper in this game. You're still starting Cooper. That's going to leave Eric Rowe on Devin Smith and... I gotta look up the guy's name. Jamal Wiltz is the is the Dolphins slot corner now. So you know, pretty nice matchup there for Randall Cobb. Too. Just going forward, I think number two and number three wide receivers against Miami with you know Rowe and Wiltz on those guys and Zayvon Howard, who is pretty much the only good player left on Miami covering number one wideouts. I think number two and number three wideouts against Miami is a spot we're going to want to attack this season. J- Jamal Wiltz <laughs> sounds like a 70s NBA player. <laughs> uh, that guy's made up. Yeah. Miami, the only way I'm playing any Dolphin is if I'm in one of those leagues that scores negative points or you're trying to make the worst lineup at all. And in that case, I think Kalen Balaj is a stud. You saw the uh, clips of his passing game. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, man. He's bad. The Dolphins are bad. One note I have in Miami, and I wouldn't use him this week, but Preston Williams... Um, was up to a 68% snap rate in week two after being at 41% in week one. So Poor guy. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think with, with the Dolphins obviously tanking that they're going to want to get Williams, you know, a bunch of work going forward. So maybe when bye weeks start to hit, Williams is someone we look at. Or maybe they're showcasing him for a trade right now. <laughs> oh, God. Denver at Green Bay, unless you had anything else you want to say about the nope, Dolphins. Thank you. The Packers, seven and a half point favorites at home for this one. I, I'm not sure that that one's big enough. I think the only reason that it's not bigger is that the Packers offense has just been meh mm-hmm. through two games so far. And I think this is another meh spot for Aaron Rodgers. I'm really not pumped for anything in the Green Bay pass offense. Marquez Valdez-Scantling leads Geronimo Allison 12 to 5 in targets and has played 53 more total snaps through two games. So if I'm deciding that I'm playing MVS over Allison, I would yeah. prefer to use neither guy. I'm okay with MVS. I think Allison at this point, I think he's droppable in shallower leagues. I know he scored last week, but under 50% of the snaps in both of the first two games, he's only running a route on 54% of Rodgers dropbacks. He, he's the third wide receiver and Green Bay just isn't using a ton 
of three wide receiver sets. So I think Allison, not someone you want to be using, um, at least until the bye week's hit. MVS, I'm still okay with. Again, you know, he's been on the field for, for most of Rodgers' dropback so far. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with MVS, I, mm-hmm. but I do think that there are better options available. Aaron Jones, people, <laughs> some people started panicking this week when Matt LaFleur said, I want to even the touches back out between him and Jamal Williams. But Aaron Jones is coming off 23 carries in week right. two. I don't think he's saying we're going to split them 50-50 in week three. I think he's saying I don't want Aaron Jones to carry 23 times every week, which yeah. nobody should carry 23 times every week. Yeah, if you're a Jones owner, you shouldn't want him carrying that many times because he probably won't make it through the season. But so far, Jones has seen 72% of the Packers running back carries. He's seen an 11% target share. Those are nice numbers. You know, He can be a lower-end running back one even with those numbers. And I do think that's about where he's going to stay regardless of what LaFleur says. Yeah, I mean, a 70% share of carries is up near the top of the league. Very few players reached that level last season. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Graham's in an okay spot. He just looks his age so far. Seven yeah. targets through two games. I thought he looked good in week one, and then he just, you know, lays a goose egg in week two. He was still, he did still run a route on 67% of Rodgers' dropback, so, you know, that's a fine number. Um, Denver gave up seven catches, 70 yards to Darren Waller in week one. Bears' tight ends combined for seven catches against him in week two, so not excited to use Graham, but, you know, it, there's not many exciting tight ends out there, so he, he's in the mix. It's the age, man. You'll realize it when you get a little <laughs> bit older. Some I'm days, already. <laughs> some days you wake up and your neck just hurts for no reason. Some days you feel like you can uh, run the 100-yard dash. I did push-ups a couple days ago, and my <laughs> left elbow has been killing me since. So, yeah, I, I'm feeling it. Oh, see, you're pushing too hard, especially <laughs> during football season. On the Denver side... Joe Flacco is averaging 6.9 yards per attempt so far. That would have tied for 26th in the league last year, and yet it would be his best rate since 2014. (laughs) Joe Flacco stinks. The Broncos offense, I'm not going to be excited about anything all year, but Emmanuel Sanders showed me last week that I should just not sit him unless the matchup is worse than this one is. Yeah, Joe Flacco stinks, and the Packers' pass defense is good. They're third in football outsiders' pass D through two weeks. They're third in fancy points allowed to quarterbacks, fourth in fancy points allowed to wide receivers. So not excited to use anyone in Denver's pass game here. I do, though, think... Sanders is fine as a wide receiver three, 25% target share for him. And it looks like he, he never tore that Achilles last, last year. Yeah. I mean, I certainly think that it's possible for many teams to have three better options at wide out than Emmanuel Sanders this mm-hmm. week, but he's probably not going to drop much below wide receiver 30 for me yeah. most weeks at this point with how he's played. Like, as, as much as I don't like the spot for Sanders, I would use him over Marquez Valdez scantling this week. Yes, I would do that as well. Cortland Sutton was okay. Four catches, 40 yards against the bears, but uh, not an intriguing option for me. This is, a, as you said, a negative matchup for Denver's passing. Yeah, 19% target share for Cortland Sutton. He also leads Denver in air yards, so he's definitely still worth keeping around. Like I think he's going to be a wide receiver three some weeks. Again, I, I just don't like this spot for him. Mm-hmm. Green Bay stronger in pass D then versus the run. Phillip Lindsay's okay. It's an okay spot, but a near-even split with yeah. Royce Freeman makes it difficult to like him, and especially if they do fall behind in this game. Yeah, th- this is basically a... 50-50 committee, even in the passing game. So, I mean, Lindsey's outcarried Freeman 24-21 to 21 so far. They've both played exactly 50% of the snaps. Um, Lindsey has 13 targets to, to Freeman's 8, but Freeman's actually run one more pass route than Philip Lindsey. So they're not you know using Lindsey exclusively in passing situations. So we should really be treating these guys pretty similarly. I think they're both like unexciting running back threes and the targets week one Lindsay was way ahead and then mm-hmm. last week they were dead even there so it's not even like we can say well he's been ahead by a couple of targets every week yep. 
I agree. They're basically in the same spot in the rankings. If you have one of them, then, you know, weigh them against your, the rest of your options. If you have both of them, uh, good luck to you. Probably <laughs> trade whichever one has a big week. Like if one of them pops for two touchdowns at some point and you have both of them, just trade that guy. Trade them both. Just, just get out from <laughs> the situation. Nice. Atlanta at Indy, unless you have anybody else from the Broncos. Nope. The Colts are one-point favorites at home. It's down from two and a half. Through two games, Football Outsiders has one of these offenses rated ninth in efficiency <laughs> and the other one rated 30th. Do you know which one's which? Since you're bringing it up, I'm guessing the Colts are the, are the one in ninth. <laughs> you got it. Colts are ninth. The Falcons are 30th, ahead of only the Bucks and Dolphins, behind the Bengals and the Jets. Now... I think it's good to keep those numbers in mind because they take us beyond the actual yardage stuff, but it's also important to keep in mind that we're playing fantasy, and even though the Atlanta offense has stunk through two weeks relative to situation and everybody else, Mm -hmm. Matt Ryan's still QB8 in fantasy to this point, topped 300 yards each week, two-plus touchdowns each week. He's just matching his touchdowns with interceptions so far, (laughs) which... Doesn't really matter all that much. Yeah, exactly. Fine for us. Um, yeah, Ryan finished quarterback 15 in that tough spot in Minnesota in week one. He was quarterback seven in week two at home for the Eagles. This is a, a fine spot here. Ryan also, last year, he didn't have any significant home road splits. He was just as productive on the road, so I'm not worried about that. Colts, 21st in fantasy points allowed to quarterback so far. Yeah, and especially when it's an indoor road game, yeah. you don't worry about that stuff. So Matt Ryan's comfortably in starter territory. I think Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley are easily in starter territory, and Mohamed mm-hmm. Sanu is still in Mohamed Sanu territory. Yeah, I was probably wrong about Ridley this season being overvalued. I mean, I was avoiding him in ADP, but he's looked great so far, up to an 18% target share. He's 14th in the league in air yards, so you know, I, I think he's... Kind of pretty much locked in as an every week wide receiver too. Yeah, Matt Ryan likes him to the point that he's trying Ridley in double coverage in the end <laughs> yeah. zone from thirty yards away. Sure so yep. <laughs> we'll take we'll take two shots at that if Ridley's going to catch one out of every two of yep. them. Austin Hooper is also a good option this week. The yep. Colts remain weak in tight end coverage. Football Outsiders has them twenty sixth. No big numbers from tight ends against them so far, but they faced. Uh, Hunter Henry on a broken leg and <laughs> Delaney Walker in a Tennessee offense. Yeah, and four catches for both those guys. I think you know Hooper a pretty safe bet for four plus catches here, and you know he, he's always capable of one of those seven to, to ten catch games. Devontae Freeman has got to have some kind of bounce back yeah. this week. If he doesn't, then we're going to have to start really downgrading him going forward. Yeah, I mean, th- this is the spot for Freeman. The Colts are 30th in football outsiders run defense rankings. They're 30th in fancy points allowed to running backs, giving up 5.5 yards per carry. And their stud linebacker, Darius Leonard, might miss this game with his concussion. Yep. Dirk Cutter said after last week's game that Devontae Freeman played better the numbers disagree with that, yeah. but if the OC thinks that the running back played better, that helps that he ran the ball better. He needs to get to work this week. Ito Smith has been playing well, has been outperforming Devontae Freeman to this point. So we're going to have to watch their usage. I think if you have Freeman, you probably have to start him this week. You know, kind of yeah. depends on what else you have. But if he doesn't do it this week, this will be the last week where I say you have to start him. Yes, I, I would use Freeman this week. But I also say I am worried about him. And if mm-hmm. he doesn't do it this week, I'll, I'll be I'll be panicking. Yeah. On the Indy side, Jacoby Brissett has 17 starts with the Colts so far. Nine times he has reached 200 passing yards. Mm So he's capable of outperforming the mid-quarterback two projection that we have, but he's been QB 19, QB 13 in the two games so far this year. He's kind of like last year's version of Lamar Jackson, not in how he gets his points, but in that 
yeah, he'll probably be okay for you. You can probably get like a QB 14 score from him, but you're not likely to miss something special by choosing a different quarterback over Brissett, even in a solid spot like this. Yeah, and, and he's finished quarterback 19 and quarterback 13 on a 9.1% touchdown rate, which is going to come way down. He's just been living off those touchdowns so far. He does still give you some of the rushing upside. He has 34 rushing yards on 10 carries through two games. So I think He's a nice play this week in a two-quarterback league. I would want to do better, even as a spot starter in a one-quarterback league. Mm-hmm. Marlon Mack should see lots of work. Arizona, or Arizona. Atlanta is not doing anything well on defense so far. Yeah, I, I love Mack this week. We just got to keep an eye on the calf injury that had him sidelined on Wednesday. He, he seemed to act like it wasn't a big deal, so hopefully he's back out there today on Thursday. But yeah, Mack leads the league with 45 carries through two games and Atlanta, you know, that that's an offense that we've been attacking with running backs for a while now. The other note with Mac, he only has three targets so far, but he's second on the entire Colts team in routes run. He's he's run a route on fifty six percent of Brissett's dropbacks. So I think that target number is gonna come up. I don't think he's gonna be like a four to six target guy but i think you know two to three targets per game is what we should expect going forward yeah i mean if he can catch three passes a game that that would work just fine i'll be curious to check his dfs ownership projection tomorrow morning for our podcasts on that ty hilton an easy start in this game of course too and i'm not interested in any other colt Nope, me either. Um, Hillen, another guy who's sort of been relying on the touchdown so far, but he's also seen a 27% target share. I think we talked about it last week, how he has almost become more of a possession receiver at this point. He's seeing a bunch of targets, only averaging 10.8 yards per catch. Just just think of him that way now rather than that big play splash guy. Mm-hmm. And Atlanta, as we mentioned before, the Philly matchup has done a good job in recent seasons of limiting big plays. Yeah. So mm-hmm. maybe that's a better way for Hilton to get his points against them. Either way, you're playing them. Baltimore at Kansas City is the centerpiece offensive game of the week. The Chiefs are six-point favorites. Even for the Chiefs, that seems a little high. Over under 52, so it's a good spot for everybody. It seems high, but like the Chiefs can just you know put up like thirty five points and, oh, yeah. and they're probably going to cover. So I can't, I can't I call it bad, right? It I seems wouldn't, high. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't bet the Chiefs, but I'm definitely not betting the Ravens. You know, plus six on the road in Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes, speaking of the Chiefs, at one point last week he had six straight completions of twenty five yards or more against the Raiders. That streak did include one short completion that was negated by a penalty. But I mean that kind of stuff is why you're not only easily starting Sammy Watkins, but mm-hmm. I'm going to have a tough time sitting Demarcus Robinson or Nicole Hardman for anybody yep. else in that range. Yep, me too. Mahomes put up 377 yards on the Ravens last year. The Ravens are going to be without their top cornerback, Jimmy Smith, again in this one. Demarcus Rob- you know, if deciding between Robinson and Hardman, it's got to be Robinson. He, he just played more than Hardman did last week, although both guys saw six targets. So I I think they're both high upside wide receiver threes. And maybe Sammy Watkins can be the DFS guy again, since both of the other guys scored last week. Yes, I'm all over Sammy in DFS. He's obviously a must-start in season long. He saw 13 targets last week, a 30% target share. You give give Sammy Watkins double-digit targets with Patrick Mahomes, and he's going to be a top-10 wide receiver more often than not. Yeah, I'll be very curious to see what his ownership projection is after Watkins was at, I don't even know, 20-plus percent ownership last week and, and, you know, let us down versus that, but got plenty of work. In the backfield, we're waiting to see on Damian yeah. Williams and LaShawn McCoy. What's the any latest on them? So the Chiefs this morning said that McCoy was going to practice and Williams wasn't. They said the same thing on Wednesday morning and neither of them ended up practicing. So we'll see. At, th- at this time, it seems like McCoy has a better chance. I would, I would guess Damian Williams is not going to play at this point. McCoy has a chance. Um, you know, Darvin Thompson, obviously the guy to have stashed in case neither guy goes. And even, you know, even if McCoy goes, I think Thompson 
maybe a deep league PPR option. Yeah, I mean, they have, they're have they giving the ball to two running backs a week, and LaShawn McCoy is not a terrific receiver or a red zone option. There's there's some love out there for Daryl Williams right now. Daryl Williams is worth a stash where it makes sense on a roster, but... I mean, if you're worried about him working over Darwin Thompson, you know, anything's possible. But Darwin Thompson was the one splitting first-team reps with Damian Williams in the preseason. So I would have to guess that it's going to be Darwin Thompson working ahead of Darrell Williams. What Williams has going for him is he's the big-body complement. He's like 230 pounds. Yeah, my guess would be if McCoy and and Damian Williams are out that – you know, maybe Darwin Thompson, Darrell Williams split carries. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe Darrell Williams gets the goal line stuff, but Darwin Thompson would be the one in on passing situations, and that's what's most valuable, especially in this matchup. I mean, Baltimore remains really tough against the run. Uh, Football Outsiders has them sixth in run defense so far. And besides, Kansas City does all of its scoring from 30-plus yards out, <laughs> right. so we don't have to worry about anybody being the goal line <laughs> running back here because there is no goal line. The Baltimore side, you're starting the main guys, Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, Mark Ingram. Brown has seen 18 targets so far. Andrews has seen 17 targets. The next guy on the team is Nick Boyle at six targets. So it's very concentrated at this point. Yeah, which is nice. So yeah, I agree. All those guys are easy starters. Mark Ingram, I think, had an encouraging week two, even though the numbers weren't big. Um, It it was a more competitive game, and he ended up playing 58% of the snaps. He got 76% of the running back carries. Saw two of the four running back targets, so that's sort of what I'm expecting his usage to be. You know, something closer to that than what we saw in Week One, where you know that game against Miami was over by the first quarter. And I mean, if you're playing against the Chiefs, you're gonna probably want to use the run to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field if you can manage to do so. Yep, and the Chiefs giving up 5.9 yards per carry to running back so far. Yeah, could be a nice Mark Ingram week. Anything else from that game before we move on? Nope. All right, Oakland at Minnesota up next. The Vikings are nine and a half point home favorites, even in a game with a 43 and a half over under. That's one of the lowest of the week. Uh, even in a game that the Vikings trailed 14 nothing at the end of the first quarter last week, they still finished with 25 running back carries versus 33 pass plays. I would expect that to be more like their pass run split going forward, though, even in games that they're winning, because that would still rank among the league's most run heavy. Now, they very well could go to like 55, 60% run yeah. in, in blowout victories. But I think we'll get something more like this going forward. Yeah, that, that's the reasonable projection. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if we're sitting <laughs> here and Kirk Cousins has like 15 pass attempts yeah. on Sunday just because of this spot at home, big favorites against the Raiders. Dalvin Cook, you're obviously starting. I, I, you're still playing Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, even though their, their volume upside is definitely capped here but I think they you know also should have no trouble against the Raiders corners yeah I agree Stefan Diggs one catch last week but seven targets that was three more than any teammate not named Adam Thielen so uh it, it's not comfy but you're going ahead and starting him it helps that Diggs one catch was a 45 yard <laughs> touchdown yep. in that game he got screwed on the other touchdown too there you go the offensive pass interference on Delvin Cook yeah. that call uh, Kirk Cousins well into quarterback two territory until he gives us a reason to believe otherwise. Kirk Cousins is dead last in PFF's passing grades among 42 <laughs> qualifiers, so tough start for him. Yeah, but he's somebody who builds momentum with every <laughs> pass attempt, so yeah. you want to get him like 50 a game, and then on yeah. that 53rd, he's money. Kyle Rudolph, not a good volume bet. He's fine if you're looking beyond the top 12. The Raiders have not been tested by a tight end yet. Played Denver. Oh, wait, not been tested by a, a tight end. What what am I saying? They just played the Chiefs last week. They did just play the Chiefs, and they gave a, a big game to Travis Kelsey. So um, they were tested. They sit 24th in Football Outsiders tight end coverage rankings. I mean, Rudolph's played 100% of the offensive snaps. He's even ran a route on 72% of 
um, Kirk Cousins drop back. So the, the usage has actually been fine. It's just, again, the volume, pass volume has been down. I think it's going to be down again here. Yeah, so in a spot where they where they should get a more competitive game, Rudolph could be sneaky. Uh, this isn't the week to be sneaky, like I was with my own notes. <laughs> On the Oakland side, they got back to reality against the Chiefs after an impressive opener against Denver. I, I think Tyrell Williams and Darren Waller are close to weekly starters, at yeah. least in PPR for target volume. Twenty about twenty two percent for Tyrell Williams and target share. Twenty three and a half percent for Darren Waller. Should be plenty of pass volume in this one because I do think that they'll trail easily. I would bet the Vikings side of this one. Not exciting options, but, you know, fairly safe PPR. But. Yeah, I think Waller at this point is a guy we don't even really need to talk about. He's just yeah. a locked-in tight end one based on his usage and, and his talent. Tyrell Williams, I, I agree, he's pretty much locked in as an every-week starter. He does have the hip injury he's dealing with this week. He was limited on Wednesday, so we'll have to watch that. He's going to get the Xavier Rhodes shadow, but Xavier Rhodes wasn't very good last year, and so far this year he's given up 10 catches for 120 yards on 12 targets. So I'm not sure that's a matchup we need to shy away from at this point. Yeah, I agree. I'm trying not to use Josh Jacobs this week. He has played one more. He's spent one more snap in route so far than Jalen Richard, and that's his biggest issue. He's been successful running the ball, but has also had two solid spots for that. DeAndre Washington's also claiming some of the passing game work. The Vikings, uh, in run defense, eighth best according to Football Outsiders so far. They've been they were top eleven the previous two years as well, so it's just not a good spot for him. Yeah, that was a mistake I made last week, sort of just assuming Jacobs was like locked in as a feature back when in that week one game the Raiders were playing with the lead throughout, so Jacobs was on the field for most of the snaps, but. Um, you know, we saw them trailing in week two, and Jacobs um, only played forty six percent of the snaps. So he's also he also posted um, on social media this morning that he's been dealing with an illness and has lost ten pounds. Ooh, trade him, so, trade so, him now. So between that, between the groin injury, the matchup, I'm not saying you have to bench Josh Jacobs because I know what the running back landscape is like, but you know he's he's not an exciting play this week. I would definitely play Devontae Freeman if somehow oh, yes. you ended up with both of those guys on your team easily. Jets at Patriots, unless you want to say anything about Trevor Davis. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jets at Patriots. Patriots are 22.5-point favorites, 44-point uh, over-under here. Second highest implied total for the week for New England, and I certainly wouldn't bet the Jets side of this with Luke Falk starting. Nope, neither. And the only guy you want to use on the Jets is Le'Veon Bell. He's he's getting massive, massive volume. 26 and then 31 opportunities in his first two games. Yep, going to get hurt in this one. And, of course, <laughs> the Jets are facing a defense that has scored more points than it has allowed to this oh, point. Yeah. Uh, on the Patriots side, the key question, I think, is what does Antonio Brown's playing time and usage look like? Played just 34% of the snaps in week two. That was fourth among Patriots wideouts, but saw eight targets, led the team by three in that category. That included three in the end zone. So was it New England pumping work to him to get him involved quickly and get him comfy? Or is he going to be at that level in the pecking order? Mm -hmm. That's what we're waiting to see this week. Yeah, I, I would bet on the playing time coming up. You know, sort of like Marquise Brown in week one. I think Brown, Antonio Brown gets gets up closer to, you know, 60, 70, 80% in this game. Interesting that Miami used Xavier Howard to shadow Josh Gordon in week two. Um, I think that is probably part of the reason all that work got pushed to Antonio Brown. So I still, you know, despite the production in week two, I still don't think there's a ton of difference between Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown right now. Yeah, we'll have to see. I have no idea if there's going to be a ton of difference between them at this point. I, I can't imagine that Philip Dorsett's going to keep playing right. more snaps than Antonio Brown, so he should be disappearing pretty soon. And otherwise, I, I'm very curious to see what I would guess 
is that we don't get a clear weekly target leader in this offense because with Edelman, Josh Gordon, and Antonio Brown, they just don't need to have a clear number one receiver. Yep, I agree. It might be frustrating from week to week. I do think you want to start all three of those guys, though, in this matchup against the Jets. Um, you know, Just a bad secondary. They benched Trumaine Johnson last week, who was like their only quality corner, I thought. so. Yeah, I mean, this is a game where they could throw five touchdown passes yes. and feed everybody. Yep. It's a, So, like I said, good situation for everybody on the offense. Another good game flow spot for Sony Michelle. What we have to wonder about here, though, he fumbled late in the fourth quarter <laughs> against Miami, and then Rex Burkhead entered for the final drive. You know, it was one drive, so we don't know if it was just that one and then they're moving on, but we do know that the Patriots hate fumbles. Michelle just hasn't looked good this season. PFF has him with zero broken tackles through the first two games. (laughs) I wanted to make Michelle a sell in our first buy sell hold that went up on the site earlier this week, but the Patriots' schedule is just so favorable. You know, they're going to have so many good game scripts for a guy like Michelle. I think he's a hold for now, but maybe... In the second half of the season, when the schedule gets a bit tougher, he's going to turn into a sell. I do think it's at least worth considering now, though, because he, he's on the field now. You know, there's mm-hmm. always risk that yeah. there's more knee trouble. And like you said, it hasn't been explosive. And he's very touchdown reliant. So exactly. yeah. especially now that this team is, is suddenly is loaded in pass catchers, which it was not a month ago. You know, it's hard to yeah. remember that just a month, month and a half ago, they were looking like a run first team. And now all of a sudden they have the best receiving core in the league. Exactly. I, in, in neutral situations, which, you know, the Patriots might not have much of considering their schedule coming up here but I do think this is going to be more of a a pass heavy team going forward Mm. James White meanwhile I think suffers for the Mm. crowded offense now suffers for the lopsided matchup did score a touchdown last week but just six total touches 29 total yards last year he actually had more receptions per victory than he did per loss but last year was an odd year for him compared with his Patriots career overall 2017 he had 5.3 catches per loss 3.6 per win, 7 targets per loss, 4.6 per win. And for his career, James White has still caught slightly more passes per loss than per victory. Yeah, you know, you'd expect a similar game script this week as the one we got last week with the Patriots. And like you said, just 7 touches for White last week, just a 31% snap rate. So, you know, I think a low-end PPR starter and a non-PPR, I would would not want to use James White. Mm Mm-hmm. Detroit at Philadelphia. The Eagles are six and a half point home favorites. The over-under is 46. It's down two and a half from where it opened. And the Eagles opened as seven and a half point favorites. You know, Vegas has been doing this a lot longer than I have. They know this a lot better than I do. But this line honestly just seems totally incorrect. I don't I mean, the Eagles are almost definitely without Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. They're probably without Alshon Jeffrey. It looks like they'll miss Dallas Goddard. The rush offense has been middle of the league. The defense has allowed 700 passing yards and six touchdowns mm-hmm. through two games. Yeah, th- this line would seem right if the Eagles were at full strength. I, I, I think honestly, I think Vegas doesn't really factor in like skill position guy guy injuries into their lines. Yeah, I, I'm surprised that it hasn't moved more because it struck me as a crazy open, uh, and it hasn't gone down that much. I think it's a great spot to play your Lions this week. The matchup is worst for TJ Hawkinson. The Eagles are fourth in tight end coverage, according to Football Outsiders, and they're perennially tough in that area. Yeah, not a great spot for Hawkinson. Still think he's in the tight end, you know, low end tight end one mix yeah. um, just because of his talent. His usage last week was basically identical to what it was that first week. You know, he, he just didn't get the targets. It was more of a Kenny Galladay game. Um, but Hawkinson was still on the field for, you know, over 
three quarters of the snap. So, you know, he definitely hang on to him, and he's an okay play this week. And the Chargers have rated tough in tight end coverage as well. You know, that they, yeah. they are losing safeties to injury, but, you know, perhaps they just know how to play against the position. Yep. Carry on Johnson, I'm interested to watch his usage this week after the Lions swapped out C.J. Anderson for Paul Perkins, who still <laughs> exists. Now, Matt Patricia said, he, I, I read where he praised Perkins' speed to the edge, his toughness, his pass protection, and his special teams ability. Uh, that sounds like Matt Patricia looks at Paul Perkins and sees a three-down guy. I look at Paul Perkins and see a guy who let me down a lot after yeah. I believed in him coming into the league in, what was it, 2016. I don't think he's a threat to carry on Johnson. And the fact that they made this move might be good news for a guy that we've just kind of expected Detroit to, at some point soon, figure out they need to be giving him the ball more. Yeah, it can't hurt carry on Johnson. We'll see if it helps. I think, I think it says a lot about Ty Johnson. I think the Lions like him and at least want to increase his role. And I think he's the clear number two now. So maybe he's worth grabbing in deeper leagues. But, you know, Karrion Johnson's still the clear lead guy here. Eagles have been good against the run so far. Um, 2.9 yards per carry allowed only. But they're, they're already down two of their defensive tackles in Malik Jackson and Timmy Jernigan. So, you know, we'll see if they start to become a slightly easier matchup on the ground. Yeah, and they've also played Washington and um, Atlanta, who mm-hmm. are not running the ball great so far. So we'll see how much of either side of that is them. One more note on Paul Perkins before we move on. He was so good this preseason that the Giants waived him in favor of keeping Wayne Gallman and Elijah Penny on the and roster. Like, and like, it wasn't like Rod Smith in the mix there, too, at some point? Yeah, I mean, it's... He's on, he's on IR, I yeah, think. Perkin, yeah, man, if Perkins starts stealing touches from Carrion Johnson, I give up. <laughs> yeah. Kenny Golley is an easy start. Marvin Jones is a wide receiver three. I think Danny Amendola is a risk-reward PPR flex. Yeah. It's, it would be better for him if Vegas is right about the game flow in this one. Yeah, I, I was also wrong about Kenny Galladay, I think. Um, 25% target share so far. If he stays anywhere near there, you know, he's, he's definitely going to be a nice wide receiver too. Yeah. On the Eagles side, Carson Wentz is still a starter in most cases, mm-hmm. but the injuries have to lower his ceiling and lower his floor some too. Yeah. I like Matthew Stafford better than Wentz this week. Mm-hmm. I would play Kyler Murray over Carson Wentz. And I would probably play Josh Allen over him, although I would have to not watch either game if I did that. Yeah, I'd play Kyler over him. We'll talk about Kyler. The other two it would be tough. Stafford just scares me because because the, the implied point total, twenty mm-hmm. points. Like it just. I think Vegas is wrong here. I I think they are too. I mean, they the last time that Philly was home, they let Case Keenum throw yeah. for three eighty and three touchdowns. Yep. Uh, Nelson Aguilar kind of has to be a wide receiver three this week. Yeah. Uh, among the guys that are around him in our rankings. I would not start him over Larry Fitzgerald. I would not start him over either of the Chiefs. And I would not start him over Calvin Ridley. Definitely not Ridley. I think Aguilar and Fitz are, are very similar guys to me. And the, the Chiefs have more upside, probably a bit riskier. I mean, I think Aguilar is a good bet for like eight-plus targets in this game. And the Lions, too. So in week one, they gave up 113 yards and a TD to Larry Fitzgerald in the slot. Week two, eight catches, 98 yards to Keenan Allen, who still plays a lot in the slot. So, yeah, and I do think Aguilar is still going to play in the slot in this game with our Sega Whiteside and Matt Collins on the outside. Yeah, let's see. But I'll take the guy who's been doing it for years over the guy who does <laughs> yeah. it every once in a while. It'd be a toss-up for me with Nelson Aguilar between John Brown and Emmanuel Sanders. I'd probably play John Brown over him. I would probably play Aguilar over Emmanuel Sanders. And I would probably play Aguilar over Will Fuller and Josh Gordon, at least in PPR. Yes, I agree with all that. I think 10 targets, 10 plus are, are not yeah. only possible, but it's looking likely in this situation. Yep. And, you know, Arcega Whiteside, I wouldn't want to use him in, in a season-long league, but I think, you know, 
if you're desperate, and, and I think in DFS, um, you know, he's he's an exciting play. I still believe in the talent. He's going to get the opportunity here. It certainly would not be shocking if he came away from the game with like a four for 62 and a touchdown line. Two touchdowns. Miles <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sanders would be the first Eagles running back I use, but not inside starter territory for me. He hasn't been very good. The Eagles have not been very good running the ball so far. In that range, for example, I would start both Matt Breida and Raheem Mostert over Sanders. I would start Carlos Hyde, and I would start Peyton Barber. Oh, God. Not Hyde or Barber for me. Give me me Sanders. No. He's been disappointing so far, obviously, with the efficiency, but he's got 27 total opportunities. That's 29th most among running backs. He's also been the clear lead guy around the goal line for Philly. Sanders has received four of the Eagles' five running back carries inside the 10-yard line and both of their running back carries inside the five, so... I think, I think touchdowns are coming for him. <laughs> there will definitely be touchdowns at some point. Uh, both defenses in this game, by the way, I think very, very wide boom-bust spectrums. They could both yeah. be good fantasy defenses this week. They could both be fantasy defenses that lose you points. Yeah, I, I would definitely prefer Philly among the two, just as the, as the big home favorites. Carolina at Arizona starting the late Sunday afternoon slate here. Cardinals are one-and-a-half-point home favorites, and... I, I guess we don't know a whole lot about him at this point, but that seems a little low with Kyle Allen starting on the other side. Yeah, Allen's an interesting guy. I mean, we, we saw him play in that season finale last year. That was against a Saints team with nothing to play for, so I'm mm-hmm. not sure how much stock to put in it. But Allen did look okay. He completed 59% of his passes, 8.4 yards per attempt. He, he has a big arm, I and mean, I was reading some scouting reports on him when he was coming into the league. Has all the, all the arm talent. Just I, I think it's the, the mental stuff. He's he's like a poor man's Jay Cutler, I think, is how to think of Kyle Allen. <laughs> yeah, and he was not a tremendous producer in college. Mm. He transferred away from Texas A&M, then got hurt his final year. So, like you said, he had the, the one good start in his one start so far, but it was in a game that the other team didn't need at all. Rested yeah. Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara. So, I would say... I'm not like Kyle Allen's good, but I'm also not like, uh oh, everybody in Carolina's offense is in trouble this well, week. Well, I mean the question is, is Kyle Allen a downgrade from the current version of Cam Newton? And I'm I'm not sure he is as a passer. Yeah. I think DJ Moore is fine as an option yeah. against a weak Arizona secondary that's still down its top two cornerbacks. Curtis Samuel's coming off 13 targets against Tampa Bay. If he gets anywhere in that neighborhood, you know, yeah. he's a starter. So he's on the the fringe of wide receiver three flex territory for him. Yeah, 19% target share for Samuel so far. I think that's kind of where we expected him to be this season. He's eighth among all wide receivers in area, so he's getting those deep shots. DJ Moore, by the way, led the Panthers with eight targets in that Kyle Allen start in Week 17 last year. <laughs> Greg Olson might be the comfiest non-Christian McCaffrey starter here against a defense that has allowed 273 yeah. yards and three touchdowns to tight ends. TJ Hawkinson, 131 and a touchdown in Week 1. Mark Andrews, 112 and 1 last week. Yeah, awesome match for Olson. I do wonder, though, if he takes the biggest hit with the quarterback change just because I, I feel like a lot of Olsen's value just comes from his chemistry with Cam Newton. Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen him work with many other um, we Carolina uh, quarterbacks. Yeah, Olsen missed that week 17 game with Kyle Allen. Mm-hmm. On the Arizona side, what you got for Kyler Murray? Seems like a nice spot. Yeah, I think it's the breakout spot for Kyler. The, the fantasy production wasn't huge in week two because he didn't score a touchdown, but I think it was an encouraging performance completed. 62.5% of his passes, 8.7 yards per attempt, 349 yards in Baltimore. Kyler leads the NFL with 94 pass attempts so far, and that, that's because the Cardinals are playing fast like we expected them to. Um, they're also throwing on 71% of their passes in neutral situations when the game's within one score. That's the third highest mark 
in the league. So it's a fast, pass-heavy offense. I think you know we can expect Kyler to be up around 40 attempts most weeks. And it's a wide receiver heavy offense. So Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk are strong plays. I think we have Larry Fitzgerald too low in our rankings this week on the site at the moment. Demir Bird is a sneaky guy as well. He has played 47 more snaps than Keyshawn Johnson. So the clear number three wide receiver for the Cardinals so far. Seen just 15% of the targets, which is, you know, nothing special in terms of share. But that has meant seven targets in each game so far. So if this is going to be a high volume offense... 15% 15% is going to be pretty decent volume. Exactly. 15% in this offense is like 20% in most offenses. Yeah, he's playing 90% of the snaps, so I think Demir Bird's a sneaky guy this week and also just kind of a, a good general pickup for PPR leagues. Yep, I think especially when bye weeks start to hit that, that he's going to become an option for us. Uh, anything else from that one before we move on to... David Johnson I wouldn't worry about last week. Yeah. I'm sort of tossing it out. He had the wrist injury... Tough matchup against Baltimore, you know, game flow worked against him. I think he bounces back big here. Yeah, I I would still consider him a potential sell personally because I don't think that they're going to run the ball that well. And I, I don't think I don't like his ceiling for targets with such a focus on receivers and three of the wideouts playing 90 plus percent. He had 18 carries and seven targets in the opener. I know the game went to overtime, yeah. so we got you know, an extra 10 minutes, but. Yeah. I mean, that, that was as encouraging as last week was was ugly. Yeah, I just th- I think week one is an outlier in terms of how much volume was available for yeah. everybody. I know I mean, it's a volume win for everybody in the offense. I, I, I just think that the perception on David Johnson right now is going to yeah. be greater than the reality. I mean, I, I think week one and week two were outliers to some extent, and he's going to you know settle in somewhere between. I still think you know he's I, I think he's a mid range running back one just when you when you look at the landscape. Giants at Buccaneers. The Bucs are six-and-a-half-point home favorites, which says more about the Giants, I think, than the Bucs. The fourth-highest implied total of the week for the Buccaneers. That makes me wonder if they're being a little overrated. Were they, were they that good against the Panthers last week? No, they weren't. They didn't have to be because Cam Newton couldn't do anything. I was looking at um, PFF's overall defense grades this morning, and they have the Giants dead last behind even Miami. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so like I said, I think that's more of a knock on the Giants than it is a mark in favor of the Bucks. Jameis Winston was clearly better at Carolina, but he's still just 16 of 25. Did face the Giants on the road last year. He took over for Ryan Fitzpatrick in that portion of the season where they were flopping back and forth, depending on who happened to throw too many picks that week. Entered that game, threw for 199 yards, 75% completions, two touchdowns, one pick there. Nearly came back to win it. The Giants this season have allowed 494 yards, 35 points to the Cowboys, 388 and 28 points to the Bills. So, you know, obviously it's a great matchup and it makes Winston a fringe starter. Certainly we're going to need a good game from him before we can feel good about starting him. But Winston's a starting option this week. Yeah, I thought he I thought he did play well. You know, he did what he had to do in Carolina, but he still finished that game quarterback 21 because he only threw it 25 times. And the concern is that so far the Bucks are the fourth they have the fourth lowest pass rate in neutral situations. So it's really been a run leaning offense so far, which really doesn't make sense looking at their personnel. I think it, I think they're trying to limit Winston's exposure right now, but hopefully he starts playing better and Bruce Arians can open up the offense a little bit. Dak Prescott week one finished quarterback one against the Giants. Josh Allen last week finished quarterback eight against the Giants. Yeah, so uh, Winston, a starting option, would love for him to feel more comfy, but mm-hmm. you know. Chris Godwin's an easy start, though. Mike Evans is definitely a start. And also, I think Mike Evans is a strong buy at this point. A strong second in targets behind Chris Godwin so far has seen one fewer target than Chris Godwin in each game. So, like, even though Godwin's the current leader, 
We could easily come out of week three with Mike Evans leading the team in that category. And he's crushing Chris Godwin in air yards so far. Last year in that game against the Giants that I mentioned, Mike Evans had six catches, 120 yards, and a touchdown, including a 41-yard TD from Winston. Yeah, I mean, all this stuff we're talking about is such small sample sizes still. So, you know, we can't read too much into anything. Evans does have a 21% target share so far. He was at 22.3% last year. So, you know, he, he's very close to where he was last season. So I do agree. Evans is a good buy candidate. I think this could be a breakout week for him. Yeah. It could be a good spot for OJ Howard as well. He's in Devontae Freeman territory where <laughs> I don't feel good about it, but if there's a spot, then this is the spot. I think even more so than with Freeman, like with Howard, there's so few reliable tight ends that you probably lean towards playing him at least one more week. Um, the, the guy's been on the field, 86% snap rate so far. That's way up from, you know, he was in the sixties, his first two seasons, but He's, he's doing too much blocking so far. He's only run a route on 60% of Jameis's dropbacks. That's, you know, not a good number. We want, we want it to be up, you know, closer to 70 and 80%. So we'll see if that changes. But, you know, like you said, the matchup's good here. The Giants allow touchdowns to both Jason Witten and Blake Jarwin in the opener. And the Giants should present the weakest pass rush that the Bucks have seen so far behind the Niners and the Panthers. So mm-hmm. that would help. Peyton Barber. 40 snaps to Ronald Jones's seven last week, 23 carries to Jones's four, one of two Bucks running back targets. Dario Gonwale is had the other one. Week one, it was close. Barber 25 to 22 in snaps, Jones 13 to 8 in carries, Barber 4 to 1 in targets. We can't say, oh, so Peyton Barber's the starter now. Yeah. But I mean, if you're picking between them, then you have to make Peyton Barber the starter this week. And if he gets anything close to last week's usage, he's going to be a, a solid fantasy option. Yeah, I think this is a true hot hand situation where like the Bucks don't even know how they're going to divvy up carries going into the game. But Barber is the guy coming off the big game. He's been the first guy in the first two games. So you know, I guess he has the first chance to get that hot hand. So if you're picking between the two, it would be Peyton Barber. But you know, I, I would try to avoid it because I wouldn't be surprised at all if we get you know 13 carries for, for Jones and eight for Barber again this week. On the Giants side, we got Daniel Jones in his starting debut, and I can't wait until we get out of the range of the thank you, Eli, articles. <laughs> yeah, me too. i um, excited to see Daniel Jones, though. Um, I didn't love him coming into the league, and I still have questions about him, but he did look awesome in the preseason. He completed, completed 85% of his passes, 12.2 yards per attempt, and he brings the rushing upside that we talked about, 79th percentile spark score. Uh, 1,300 rushing yards over his three seasons at Duke. So this week you shouldn't need to use him. Although, you know, maybe you're in a deep league and you just lost Ben Roethlisberger and, you know, maybe Jones is the best option. At least the matchup's okay, although the Bucks D has been better. But again, it's that rushing ability that I think could make Jones more productive than a lot of people expect for fantasy. Yeah, I want to see how much he runs. Um, He will at least... It seems like he might get Sterling Shepard back. Too early to say for sure, but Sterling Shepard was... At practice Wednesday in a non-contact jersey, still needs to complete the concussion protocol. But, you know, obviously participating Wednesday to any degree is a good sign. I think if Shepard's back, he's probably a low PPR wide receiver three. Mm-hmm. It would really depend a lot on who you're comparing him with to make that decision in that range. Because there are a whole lot of guys yeah. in that range that are like uh, boom bust. Right, yeah. And well, I think Shepard's the more steady option where, you know, you're, you're going to get four or five catches and, you know, maybe 60 or so yards. But there's not a ton of upside there. We'll have to see, of course, you know, how Jones is distributing targets. It should really still be Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley. The Bucks have actually rated well in wide receiver coverage so far, according to Football Outsiders. But... They've rated well, and like I said, they've been a lot better. Uh, FO has them first in run defense. 
Yeah, so maybe the defense is is really better. I, we'll see. It's too early for me to declare it, but we're open to the possibility. Mm-hmm. Rookie Darius Slayton, by the way, all, also returned to practice. Uh, limited practice Wednesday. He missed the first two games. Got a hamstring strain that comes from the preseason, so he hasn't played yet. And Cody Latimer was concussed last game. I saw Benny Fowler hurt his hamstring in Wednesday's practice. So revolving door at wide receiver for the Giants. You know, who knows? It might end up being Slayton as their number two wide receiver this week. And all that helps make Evan Ingram an every week starter. Yeah, for sure. Upside to that Bucks defense at home for sure. We're waiting to see how good the defense actually is, but yeah. uh, playing at home as easy favorites against a rookie quarterback in his first start, even if we think Daniel Jones, you know, might be good. Yep. It's a good spot to play that defense. Yeah, yeah, I would play the Bucks over both the Eagles and Lions. I would as well. Houston at the Chargers. Chargers are three point home favorites over under 48. Neither defense here has been as strong as we anticipated uh, through the first two games. Texans are 17th in overall defensive efficiency, according to Football Outsiders. Chargers are 26th. So we could get more points here than the projections indicate. The offenses have just been okay, though. Yeah, I think this is a sneaky shootout, a good game, maybe to look into stacking for DFS. I, I, th- the biggest question on Houston's side is the backfield. Week one, it was Duke Johnson playing about two-thirds of the snaps, um, nine carries and five targets. Carlos Hyde, ten carries, one target. Last week, it was Carlos Hyde playing about two-thirds of the snaps. And, you know, that, that first game was more of a shootout against the Saints. The second game was like a, a slugfest against Jacksonville. So I think it's going to be game script dependent this game to me feels like more of a duke johnson game uh, say what you want about carlos hyde and the way he's playing so far it, it doesn't make any sense for the texans to have given a third round mm-hmm. pick for duke johnson if they have if there's any chance that they're going to play him the way they did last week i, I don't even no matter how well carlos hyde's playing <laughs> Duke Johnson should be seeing at least half of the running back work if that's how much they believed him at trade time. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be waiting to see. I'm going to have to play Carlos Hyde over Duke Johnson, though, because the Chargers are not a strong run defense right now. And Carlos Hyde's been running well. I mean, not only producing, but he's like second, I think, in overall yeah. running back grade on pro football focus. So far. Yeah, he's, he's been good, which is annoying. I would play Hyde in non-PPR. I would play Duke in, in PPR. I'm playing Hyde in either spot, especially because I don't even know if Duke Johnson would be on they're, the field near the goal line yet. Yeah, they're, he's a road underdog who has one target through two games. Like I, I yeah. feel like I, I'm not I, excited about either yeah, one. Yeah. If I have to make the decision, though, I'm angrily putting Hyde give me, in my lineup. Yeah, I mean, give, give me Duke. I still think he's a good bat for like three to five catches here. We'll see. It sounds like uh, James White to me. Deshaun Watson, an every week start, of course, Mm -hmm. despite coming off a disappointing fantasy outing last week against the Jaguars. We knew that that remained a possibility, even though the Jaguars got stomped by the Chiefs the week before. Yep. The Chargers have given up a 75% completion rate so far, and that's the Jacoby Brissett and Matt Stafford. They're missing Adrian Phillips now, who was filling in for Derwin James. So I think Will Fuller is, I think a a big week is coming for him. I I rewatched that game against Jacksonville. He dropped like a 50-yarder. And uh, Deshaun Watson overshot him on another deep ball. Fuller still played 91% of the snaps last week, even with Kiki Cutie back. So it, it looks like it's, you know, Fuller and Hopkins as pretty much every down players. And then Kiki and Stills are, are kind of splitting that third wide receiver role. I can't believe Will Fuller dropped the deep <laughs> I know, ball. I know, I know. Never would have guessed He's not going to drop them all. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, so 17% of the targets so far for Will Fuller. Seven of them against Jacksonville last week. Less than half of DeAndre Hopkins' tally, of course. So, I mean, he's always going to be a boom-bust guy. It's never going to be like, oh, this is the week where Will Fuller gets 12 targets Mm -hmm. and Hopkins gets six. Even though Hopkins has the matchup with 
San Diego's top corner. Not San Diego. Crap. Man, it's been a while. With the Chargers' top corner, the Texans have showed us that they're not scared of those matchups. They're going to go to DeAndre Hopkins no matter who's covering him. And because it makes sense, the still developing portion of the wide receiver picture here is Kiki Cutie returned last week, played 44%. Kenny Stills was down from 42% in the opener to 38% last week. I'd be curious to see if Cutie plays more in week three, or if that's just how much he's going to play. I saw four targets against Jacksonville, three for Stills, three apiece as well for uh, Jordan Atkins and Darren Fells at tight end. Yeah, I mean, encouraging for Cutie that he he came back and immediately outsnapped and ran more routes than Kenny Stills, but I I don't think Kenny Stills is just like not going to play. So it's tough right. for me to see Cutie, you know, getting back to being a full time player. Yeah, I don't think either of them is in the picture, but I I want to see what's happening with Cutie and and whether. It affects Fuller at all. I wouldn't bet on it affecting Will Fuller's playing time yeah. in week three, but, you know, it's all a situation to watch. Just, just an awesome wide receiver core. I don't think I'd take anyone's, you know, one through four over the Texans, which is obviously just good news for Deshaun Watson. I don't know. It's I, Yeah, I guess they would be one through four, just right? ahead of New England. It's close, though. Yeah, it is it's pretty close. I mean, the number four in New England could yeah. be anybody with the top right. three. And the, the Rams, too, even with Josh Reynolds as the fourth guy. Yeah. So why don't you quit making bold statements like that without thinking them through? <laughs> Anything else on the Houston side before we hit the Chargers? No. Austin Eckler's a must-start at this point. Keenan Allen's obviously a weekly starter. Mike Williams played impressively, I think, through his knee issue last week mm-hmm. at Detroit, but he also played three fewer snaps than Travis Benjamin. He played only four more snaps than Dontrell Inman. So I would rather wait until Mike Williams is all the way back to full health before I'm considering him for my lineup. Yeah, he put in a full practice Wednesday, so... I would I would guess that he's back to his usual playing time. I still think he's going to be a lower volume guy who's sort of reliant on those big plays and the touchdowns. Yeah, I'm not sad to not be on Mike Williams yeah. with my team so yep. far this year. Phillip Rivers, fine on the QB1 fringe. I would play Carson Wentz and, Jer- and Jimmy Garoppolo over him, though. Um, yeah, me too. That's sort of how I feel about Rivers, just fine. Um, finished quarterback nine week one. He was down to quarterback 24 in week two. The Texans so far, though, 7.7 yards per attempt, and they faced Jacoby Brissett and Gardner Minshew. So I don't think it's a pass defense we have to worry about. Right. If Phillip Rivers has been your main quarterback to this point, I don't think you need to go find a replacement for this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, New Orleans at Seattle. Seahawks are four-and-a-half-point favorites. They opened at five-and-a-half, so there are some Saints believers out there. The big story is obviously Teddy Bridgewater stepping in for Drew Brees. Sean, or, or is he? Yeah, yeah Sean Payton <laughs> wants you to believe that it might be Taysom Hill. If it weren't Teddy Bridgewater, then his contract would make absolutely no sense. And frankly, if the game plan for this week has a whole bunch of Taysom Hill written into it, then that's going to be bad news for the New Orleans offense. I think I think it might honestly. I think it. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think Bridgewater's going to start. I think he's going to play the most snaps. But I think we're going to see more Taysom Hill than we were seeing behind Drew Brees. Yeah, there are people picking up Taysom Hill this week. <laughs> I think even in a two quarterback league, Taysom Hill does not make any uh, sense. I think you're playing him hoping that he scores a touchdown. Granted, he could catch, run, or throw a touchdown, but. A, a touchdown-reliant yeah. part-time quarterback? I mean, no thanks. No. Somebody else can have him. Yeah, you, you can't play him unless he's the starter. You know, and, and then he'd be interesting. But let's remember, Breeze is only supposed to be out like six weeks. So I would assume they're going to give Bridgewater at least a few weeks. And then if he is struggling, maybe they give Hill a couple weeks. But, you know, how, how, how much is, is that worth? I, I guess in two quarterback leagues, 
he's fine to grab just because he has a shot to play and he can run. But I, I'm not expecting him to be a guy we can throw into starting lineups this season. Yeah, it wasn't even people spending like a dollar or two. It was like, you know, 15% <laughs> of the budget or so. That's how it is in the two quarterback leagues. Like anyone that has a chance <laughs> to be under center gets picked up. Yeah, I think Taysom, Taysom Hill is fool's gold here. And if he does happen to get like, you know, say he catches a touchdown and throws one, <laughs> trade the heck out yes. of him that week, yep. no matter what format you're playing. <laughs> All right, so Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, I think you kind of have to keep them in your lineups, uh, reluctantly or uncomfortably. Jared Cook is the question. Saw six of Teddy Bridgewater's 33 pass attempts last week, including plays that were wiped out by penalties. That was second most behind Michael Thomas. It was a bad game, though. Jared Cook Mm -hmm. has had plenty of those in his career, so... You know, it's frustrating. It's probably going to happen again. But I think he's still on the PPR fringe at a, at a weak position this week. He is, yeah. The matchup's good, too. Um, Seattle is 25th in Football Outsiders tight end coverage rankings. They gave up nine catches for 93 yards to the Bengals tight ends in week one. And then they gave up, you know, that two-touchdown game to Vance McDonald last week. I would probably play Jared Cook over Will Disley in PPR. I would, ha- I would have a I, yeah. tough decision between Jared Cook and... And Jason Witten. And then if we're in non-PPR, I would play Disley and Witten over Cook. Really? I, I'd play yeah. Cook over both those guys. Witten, I guess, is close. I, I don't trust Will Disley. I need to see it again. I just, I just think it's a low-volume passing offense, and he's like probably the fourth option behind Lockett, Metcalf, and Chris Carson. Yeah. For me, at this point, it's just that I, I don't believe in the Saints offense that I yeah. saw last week after Teddy Bridgewater came in. And, you know, granted, it was a game that Teddy Bridgewater didn't expect to be playing in and that was planned for Drew Brees. But I'm going to need to see that I should believe in them, especially after Jared Cook had a disappointing opener as well. I'll just go yeah. with... With the guys in offenses that I trust to score some points, I'll take a shot that they're involved in the scoring. I think Wynn's pretty easily the best touchdown bet, as crazy as that mm. sounds among <laughs> these guys. So he, he's probably the guy you should be playing among Just them. Just totally the opposite of what his career has been. <laughs> yeah. Latavius Murray, might, by the way, not in lineup plans at all. I don't think yeah. he's even in consideration. 11 carries through two games. Is he a better bet if there's positive game flow? We'll right. see. There really hasn't been so far. That's what I was going to say. I mean, when we get games coming up here where the Saints are at home, and there's still games where they're going to be favored even with Bridgewater under center, I think that's when we can you know, maybe consider using Latavius. You mean Taysom Hill under center? Yeah. Seahawks threw a lot more in Week 2. They still finished with 33 rushing attempts versus 35 pass attempts, so play volume overall was way up. Wilson, Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson are weekly starters. Like with Sony Michelle, we're going to have to – See if anything changes with Chris Carson. Mm -hmm. He fumbled on his own once early in that game and was right back in on the next drive. But then in the fourth quarter, he dropped an exchange with Russell Wilson. It got charged to Wilson as a fumble. But like with the Patriots, there was one more Seahawks possession, and it was just Rashad Penny in for that. No, it was was Penny, but then Carson got the last carry of the game on a fourth down to ice it. Well, there you go. So, I mean, and that, that doesn't mean, no, I, I, I still think Carson's the guy here. I think it'll take another fumble, then maybe it's a different story. But I would feel comfortable starting Chris Carson at home as a nice favorite. Saints giving up 5.9 yards per carry. The Saints were good against the run last year. They haven't been so far this season. Yeah, I think Chris Carson's a strong play this week. He'll probably come up on the DFS show tomorrow. Rashad Penny, you know, was nice for the work that he had yeah. uh, against Pittsburgh, but he's only played 14 and 25 snaps so far. Not enough for me to trust him in a lineup in most cases. Yeah, I mean, 10 carries last week. I could see him getting close to that this week, but still not doing anything in the passing game, which which hurts. Yeah, um, a lot. Yeah. I don't know. Like Rashad Penny and Carlos Hyde are pretty close for me. One <laughs> is the team's number one ball carry, and the other is number two. Yeah, I'm, I just, don't think I'm, just, I'm not totally convinced that Hyde is, is the clear lead guy. Yet. I mean, I wouldn't say totally convinced, but from what we have so far, Carlos Hyde dominated week two, and Rashad Penny is like, here, you can have the ball some because that guy just dropped it. Yeah. 
You're probably right. <laughs> I think you just don't want to believe in Carlos Hyde. <laughs> I the definitely difference. don't want to. <laughs> DK Metcalf, six and seven targets in his two games so far, 23.6% of Seahawks targets. Puts him on the wide receiver th- fringe for me this week. Yeah. There are a lots of boom-bust plays in that range of the rankings. I mean, if you're deciding between two guys pretty much anywhere between like 30 and 45 in yeah. our wide receiver rankings, it-, it could go either way. Yeah, and hopefully you just have like one of those guys and that's who you're right. plugging in. Um, Metcalf's going to see a lot of Marshawn Latimer, who might be another cornerback that we don't need to worry about anymore. He wasn't as good last year. Um, and this year so far has allowed 10 catches on 14 targets for 189 yards and two touchdowns. It seems like what we need to take away and what the league needs to take away here is stop paying cornerbacks <laughs> as much as no. you're paying them because they are extremely volatile. Yep. By the way, DK Metcalf versus Curtis Samuel this week. Who you got? Samuel. Versus MVS. Metcalf. Versus Mike Williams. Metcalf. Versus Jarvis Landry. Landry and PPR, Metcalf and none. Versus Tyrell Williams. Tyrell. Yeah, I'm playing Tyrell. I think otherwise I'm playing Metcalf over all the rest of those guys because of his offense. So kind of the same thing as Will Disley. I, I, I like Seattle's chances of scoring, okay. and I don't think I'm missing anything big on the rest of those players. I like their chances of scoring too. I just think it's going to be another game like week one when mm-hmm. you know Wilson attempted only 20 passes. Pittsburgh at San Francisco. Niners are six and a half point home favorites, probably at least in part because Ben Roethlisberger is not going to be involved here. The line still feels a little bit high. You watched more of Pittsburgh and Seattle last week than I have so far. How was Mason Rudolph in that game? I, I thought he was good. I mean, he had the two touchdowns. The interception was a drop by Dante Moncrief right off his mm-hmm. hands. Um, so I thought Rudolph looked good. I'm pretty optimistic about him. I wouldn't want to use him here, though, on the road against the Niners past the that Football Outsiders has second in the league right now in their DVOA. And, you know, the Niners have faced Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton. But, you know, I, I, I think there's a chance that it's it's not – a pass DB want to be attacking this season. Yeah, I think Mason Rudolph's a fine stash, but I agree, would like to not use him, even in a two-quarterback setting this week. Wouldn't be surprised if he does something, mm-hmm. but I uh, would like to not depend on it. Juju Smith-Schuster obviously remains a starter. Yep. Dante Moncrief was out of that game after that play you just mentioned, so he he might even be droppable at this point in a lot of cases, and I hope that he is. If you own Dante Moncrief, just drop him for, for ideally for James Washington if he's available. Even if not, just drop Moncrief for Deontay Johnson, who has already passed Moncrief in snaps last week, and I, I sort of expect that to continue going forward. Or drop him for somebody on a different team. Sure, yeah. Be done with the Steelers. <laughs> James Conner missed practice Wednesday. He said that he expects to play this week with that knee issue, but you know, obviously we're going to have to watch him through the week to see if it happens. Yep, we'll see on Connor. The Niners have been good against run this season. They were pretty good against the run last year, so I'm, I'm buying into that more than the pass defense even. Um, but if Connor plays, you're starting him. If Connor doesn't play, you're starting Jalen Samuels as at least a running back too just because you know, he, he's going to get 15 to 20 touches. Vance McDonald I would like to not use this week, mm-hmm. though. He is he was limited Wednesday with a back injury. was not on the injury report in week two, so it sounds like a new issue. And he, of course, has a long history mm-hmm. of injuries. Beyond that, Football Outsiders has the Niners number one in tight end coverage so far. So, you know, combine that uh, and the new quarterback stepping in, I would rather not play Vance McDonald this week. I would play Jason Witten over him, and I would have to consider Will Disley Mm. and Gerald Everett. No, I'm playing Vance over Disley and Everett. Um, I'm probably playing Vance over Jared Cook even. Mm. I I don't know. PPR, I think I would go Cook. I think I would go Cook either way. So Vance saw four targets from Rudolph, though, second on the team, 21% of Rudolph's targets, had the two touchdowns, obviously. He also ran a route on 85% of Steelers' dropbacks. That's a really nice number. Um, Even with a tough matchup, as long as that back isn't isn't a thing, 
um, I would feel okay with Vance. Yeah, Vance McDonald and Jared Cook are basically the same thing yep. here. Yeah. I mean, they're maybe the number two wide out for their team this week, both with new quarterbacks in the lineup and, you know, both in offenses that could be fine yeah. or could struggle. Yep, I mean, it does seem like Cook's matchup's better, so maybe you lean that way, but... Yeah, those are still developing. We'll see. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm not considering any other Steeler this week. Curious to see what happens with James Washington. Yeah, stash Washington if he's available, but don't use him this week. On the Niners' side, Jimmy Garoppolo sits inside our top 12, coming off a nice outing at Cincinnati. Not tremendous, but nice. Yeah. Uh, and the Steelers have allowed 341-3 and to Tom Brady, 303 to Russell Wilson. Yeah, I think how much does Minka Fitzpatrick improve this pass defense? That's that's the question. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We don't even know exactly where he's going to play yet. I, I I think, I, already's gonna play, I think already's going to play safety Okay, alongside Edmonds. But. Okay. I was wondering if Sean Davis was going to get pushed out of the lineup yeah. there. So, I mean, that makes sense. Wouldn't be surprised if they move him around some. I'm certainly not adjusting my outlook for Pittsburgh before I see him change something. Yeah, I think Garoppolo's a fine lower-end quarterback. One this week. Um, you know, I, I watched a lot of that game, too. I didn't think he played that well, but it's just Kyle Shanahan's scheme just you know breaks guys wide open a lot of times, and Garoppolo takes advantage. And Pittsburgh has been tougher against the run than the pass, yes, so yeah. a better chance, I think, that the Steelers play the, the run tough. Even though I think Garoppolo's in starter range, I would have a hard time. I would, I would need to be hard up at wideout to use any pass catcher besides George Kittle. Yeah, Debo Samuel had the nice week, too, but he only ran her out on 52% of Garoppolo's dropbacks. That was behind Richie James actually led the way at 70%. Marquise Goodman was at 67 So, yeah, I mean, Debo should be owned, but can't quite trust him. I think it's George Kittle breakout week. Football Outsider says the Steelers 32nd in tight end coverage. Yeah, we'll see if maybe... We'll see if Mika Fitzpatrick makes any difference yeah, there. Yep. It, that it's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take Kittle over Fitzpatrick right, one-on-one, right. on one, so... I'm running backs. I'm willing to use Matt Breida and Raheem Mostert low in RB2 territory. Not a great matchup. Like I said, Pittsburgh 10th in run D, according to FO, 8th last season. So they play it tough, but it's a good scheme for running backs. They yeah. found plenty of work for three guys last week. So I, I'm down low in RB2 range. I'm willing to use both Breida and Mostert. Yeah, and you know, we have Breida ranked higher right now. Mostert might be the better play, though. I mean, he, he outsnapped and outcarried Breida last week, and that might have something to do with the fact that it was a blowout. But Mostert also, you know, he, he got the four targets versus only one for Matt Breida. Mostert ran around on 52% of Garoppolo's dropback. So it seems like Mostert is the pass catching back, which, you know, especially in this matchup against a tough run D, might make him the better play. Well, I also saw our buddy Dwayne McFarland had Breida and Mostert even in opportunities until the late portion of that game where it, it ended up being lopsided. And then Mostert spent more time on the field okay. while they were salting it away. Yeah, I, I looked into that just to see, to check on Jeff Wilson, because he had the 10 carries. Six of his 10 carries came on the final two drives of the game. Mm. Um, th- there was a quote from Kyle Shanahan, I think it was on Wednesday, that sort of hinted that Wilson might be the team's goal linebacker, which would obviously hurt Mostert and Breda, but you know, we'll have to see. I, I don't think Wilson's an option at this point. I, For just this reason, I'm trading any Niners running yeah. back that I can get something worthwhile for because I don't think that there's going to be any point where we say, well, this is the guy, at least until Tevin Coleman's back. I don't either, but I don't think that means that Breda and Mostert aren't guys we can start just because it is yeah. such a good scheme and you know, if we can get... 12 to 15 touches out of both guys. They're both options. They're usable, but if I can trade him for a similar player who I who I can count on his role, mm-hmm. then uh, I'm going to go for it. Rams at Cleveland, the Sunday night game. The Rams, Rams are three-point favorites. It's up from being one-point favorite. 
Uh, over-unders at 49, that's down a little bit. And neither offense here has been as good as we hoped that it would be. The Rams, ninth in overall offensive efficiency, so it's not like they've been bad, but not as good as we have seen in the previous couple of seasons. Browns, 27th. They have not been good so far. Nope, they haven't. Baker, I love the guy, but he hasn't been good these first two weeks. I think we're at the point where like the league sort of adjusted to him, and now he needs to you know make an adjustment to the league. So I still think Baker will get going, especially with all these weapons, although losing David and Joe, who obviously hurts. The Rams offense... You know, the second half of last season, and we sort of thought maybe it was the loss of Cooper Cup, but Cup's back now, and it still just doesn't look like the same offense. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. There, it's it's early. I believe in them certainly. You know, way more than Cleveland. I think for this game, obvious starts: Nick Chubb, Odell Beckham, all three Rams wideouts. Todd Gurley, you know, our rankings indicate that Gurley, by the way, has handled sixty-two and a half percent of the running back carries. 83.3% of the running back targets so far through two games, so not not a big worry anymore. Yeah, I mean, two-thirds of the running back work is about what I'm expecting for Gurley on a weekly basis now, and that that's plenty. Jared Goff, I would not want to start. He has multiple touchdown passes in just one of his last 10 games now, dating back to last season, and he's on the road, which we talked about. You know, Last year, he only averaged 244 yards, 1.3 TDs per game on the road, and then he struggled in week one in Carolina. Yeah, I would certainly rather not use either QB in this game if I needed to. And if I were some for some reason deciding between them, I would prefer Jared Goff over Baker Mayfield. Really? Yeah, because May- Mayfield's just not playing well. Let's bet it. Let's the, bet it. We need to bet. I'm going to bet Jared Goff versus <laughs> Baker Mayfield? Yeah, why? Uh, Same game, Sunday night. We'll see. I don't believe in either side of this enough to be excited about it. But, I mean, on the Rams side, for, for Goff's sake, it's just a much more loaded offense and a more proven offensive coaching staff yeah that's fair and it's not a great matchup for baker the rams are fourth in football outsiders past the 6.1 yards per attempt allowed so far jarvis landry's not in a great spot rams fourth in in past d mm-hmm. um you know just alluded to it landry just seven targets through his two games so far 18.4 percent of the team total and he's a guy that needs volume so yeah. if he's not getting volume he's just not attractive yeah i, I do wonder if David Njoku being out helps Landry a bit, though. I mean, I wouldn't be excited to use him, but I still think he's in wide receiver three range in in PPR. It can't hurt, and if Baker Mayfield had been good at all through two games, then I might be a believer, but uh, there are lots of guys I would play over Jarvis Landry, including some that we currently have ranked behind him. Baker's going to bounce back. Yeah, at some point. I don't think this is a week. Are you though. interested in Demetrius Harris at all? No. That's, no? I got that question in my <laughs> notes, too. I'm just not. Again, if the offense had been good so far, then I, I might be. But I'm taking a guy who hasn't yeah. done anything in an offense that's not doing anything. Uh, I'd, I'd rather take Jason Witten. Oh, for this week, I would prefer But Wayne I mean, going easily. forward, even. I mean, I, I, I picked him up in an FFPC league. I spent um, like 7% of my, my fab to pick up Harris. I mean... Tight end premium, he's going to be a starter for a month. Um, the guy's big, he's athletic, so we'll see. Yeah, I can see taking a shot on Harris there, but in a, a regular type scoring yeah, league, yeah. I'm not interested. Yeah, d- yeah, don't use him this week, but I do think, at least in FFPC, he should be rostered at this point. Chicago at Washington Monday night to round out the action with, I, I can't even imagine the point at which <laughs> this looked like a good idea uh, for a primetime game. I mean, yeah, the Bears were hyped, and then you think maybe Dwayne Haskins, maybe? I don't know. I feel, didn't the schedule <laughs> come out before that? Wasn't it in April before the draft? Um, anyway. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the Bears are four-point road favorites here. The over-under is as ugly as the game, 41.5. I am trying to use as little from this game as I possibly can. I think Allen Robinson's fine. Mm -hmm. I like David Montgomery in this spot. There was the drastic workload swing last week. You know, it's one game, so I'm not saying that that's how things are going to be going forward. But 
It did come in just the second game, and now he's facing a defense that's not doing anything well and has been weak in run defense for several years now. Yeah, it, it seems like Montgomery's the guy when the Bears are playing with the lead, and you know they should be in this spot unless Trubisky does something horrible early on. <laughs> so yeah, I think Montgomery's worth using this week. The Redskins are 29th in football outside of run D. They've allowed 4.7 yards per carry through running back so far. Tariq Cohen's probably a worse play than Chris Thompson, just looking at guys from this game. Played only 37% of the snaps last week, 72% in the opener. I mean, I don't think that there's a great chance that Chicago falls behind in this game. Possible, right. but I certainly wouldn't bet on it. Yep, I agree. Um, I, yeah, I guess I would lead Lean Thompson. Um, I, I, I do think he's a better target it's a coin in this flip, game. Really. Yeah. On the other side, I'm not playing anything. Well, like I said, Chris Thompson's okay if you're reaching down for a PPR back. Otherwise, it's Terry McLaurin and Fade. Yeah, Trey Quinn maybe is a you know low-level PPR guy. He's seen six and seven targets the first two weeks. He gets Buster Screen in the slot, who's a guy we've been picking on for the past few years now. So he, he has a nice individual matchup. Yeah, if you are reaching that low looking for a wide receiver, and you know, it's entirely possible, then I do think that there is upside to Trey Quinn for PPR. Minimal upside. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all I want to say about this game. I think yep. both defenses are in play just because of the turnover upside. Yeah, I think the Bears are a great play, and then you know the Redskins facing Trubisky. Mm-hmm. And that's going to do it for this Week 3 preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to check out our full Week 3 rankings to see exactly how we sort out all these baby faces at quarterback and their boom-bust wideouts. Check your My Team page for customized start-sit advice. Surf around the site for the different Week 3 articles. We will be back on the pod waves tomorrow with our weekly DFS shows. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShoutDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smoll and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shaw saying thanks so much for swimming with us.